It's the TFT Podcast. I'm Matt, and that's Ryan. Ryan, rough, rough. Talk is cheap, motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, between those, you might, well, I don't know, I wouldn't have been able to, but you might be able to uh, identify the record that we are focusing on from the, the literal dog sounds um, to the uh, to the the exclamation that comes after a hail of machine gun fire, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. That should make you ready to stop, drop, and open up shop <laughs> uh, on, on this on this episode. <laughs> We're talking about uh, DMX's major label debut. It's dark and hell is hot. Uh, released May twelfth, nineteen. 98 which means that we have transitioned back to the 90s right and uh that we're back in a historical quarter of the TFT podcast and that we're no longer uh we're no longer listening to the to the Antinovian hits of today we're uh we're listening to um you know, Dame Grease and, and Swizz Beats right like uh sort of the Jack Antonoff of their day <laughs> yeah, the, certainly. I mean, this is the earliest work of Swizz Beats, who, you know, came to, I think, be a pretty major force in um, late 90s, early 2000s hip hop. And um, the Rough Riders anthem um, uh, was his his first kind of major production. So and, and as yeah. like and there are some like sort of generic I feel like with the the Rough Riders anthems there are some like generic things that like I, I I've gathered from some of the secondary material I read that DMX did not necessarily love that track uh at first blush cuz it was like too it was like a rock and roll track or something like that and he wanted something that was a little more solidly uh a hip hop track uh cuz I think Swizz Beats brought the, had had the uh had the instrumental already done um and brought it to brought it to dmx but that that uh you know what a, what a uh what so this album debuted uh number one on the billboard 200 uh it was one of two albums to uh, that dmx released 1998 that debuted at number one on the billboard 200 and is one of a string of five albums that he released his first five that that debuted at number one uh on the billboard 200 and i think number six only missed it by a couple hundred units so that was just you know that was probably a rounding error right like it could have been in the uh in whatever sampling methodology they used to <laughs> have just introduced the air. So it may, you know, it may as well have been. And uh, if you look back and, and look at interviews or look at some of the, you know, I don't know the, the Wikipedia stuff or, or uh, we'll, we'll put the, the extended pitchfork meditation on this record into the show notes. Um, they, they referred to 1998 as the, the year DMX took over the world. Right. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and so this was the first, this was the first shot across the bat, though I guess there had been a couple of, uh, a couple of singles released, but this was the first, uh, first shot across the bow. Uh, I was, uh, I was getting ready to pack up and, and leave home. Ryan, how, how old were you when this record was released? Uh, I was, I, I had just 
turned uh, 16 three days before this album was was released. Uh, And so this this album was the soundtrack of um, me learning to drive and then me uh, then me driving, especially my um, younger brother to school in the fall of of 1998, because my brother, I think we've talked about this a little bit on here, but especially at that time. um, So my brother is um, just a little bit under two years younger than me. So um, by the fall of 98, um, I was driving and uh, entering 11th grade and my brother uh, was starting ninth grade. And so um, and, and so I drove both of us to school um, and I was the driver and he was the DJ. <laughs> and and my brother was the one of us who was it was into hip hop. And so. He had uh, he had purchased this album at some point shortly after it came out. Um, and again, not exact. I mean, I guess it was on his. Wait, radar. how do you how do you get away with that? This is like this is a hardcore record. It has a parental advisory sticker. But my brother was a hardcore fourteen year old, and so um, you know, I think. Well, I think we've talked about this um, previously, um, where there were a few ways to. Um, to to play around with this um you know that you could like like the stickers sometimes were stickers and sometimes were um printed on the sleeve so sometimes you could peel it off or obscure it in some way <laughs> when you're at the visit. oh god when you're at the uh i don't what was the chain record store in in your town like uh, it was the one we liked to go to was the wall uh because they have a um the, their CDs had a lifetime guarantee <laughs> um, unfortunately I, I i don't think it was realized that the lifetime of the wall and the compact discs would be far under the lifetime of the people purchasing these contact discs at the wall. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we 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 liked the wall because of their their guarantee, um, and they had the best kind of most flexible listening stations as well. Oh, um, yeah. I think you could like you could scan the barcode of almost any CD and get the previews rather than having the like very much more um, circumscribed um, listening station. So yeah. yeah, we were, we, we definitely camped out at the wall when at the mall. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. So that's, so then, but the, but then you'd have to, um, you'd, you'd peel off the sticker, take it to mom or dad and be yeah. like, yeah, this is part of our hall. This is for part of our hall for, for today. Got it. Now, when you yes. say, when you say that this was on, when you were learning to drive, I'm, I'm just curious about this, right? Like, <laughs> Like, don't you need an adult in the passenger seat in Pennsylvania when you're when you're learning to drive when you're a permit- I guess I would say that I don't know that I like fully knew how to drive uh, by the time I was licensed to drive. Oh, got it. Uh, you know, so so certainly um, or and and so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying it would be amazing. No, if, if music were playing at all, it probably would have been like um Amy Grant or something like that, uh, which is what my parents were into at the time. Amy Grant or Kenny G, um, <laughs> yes. all, the, all the killer G's of the, <laughs> of the mid nineties. Um, but I kill it. Killer G's on attack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of rough, rough, it's on the soprano saxophone. We should do a Kenny Kenny G album. Well, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, probably like, I don't know, does Starbucks report in Billboard? We have to we'd have to find one. I guess this is I guess we're entering peak G now, late 90s, early 2000s. Right. Um, Uh, 
the yes, it is the G funk era. That's <laughs> what I would say. No, I think peak G was a little earlier, actually, ninety three, ninety four. So we oh. kind of we may have missed our window. But um, luckily, uh, you know, yeah, Kenny G is a man of many Christmas albums, and Christmas comes but once a year, <laughs> <laughs> along with the opportunity to ruin it. So so that's always something to look forward to. Oh, um, but yeah, but I mean, it's uh, 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 that said, it's like it was the album of approximately around the time when I was learning to drive. Well, that's what, when that's exactly what an adolescent boy needs as you know, he is sort of commanding a, a one ton hunk of, of steel at highway speeds for the first time. Right. Which is this like super aggressive, (laughs) anti-social, completely distracting, uh, you know, just kind of music cloud, kind of cloud of rage and, uh, uh, violent revenge and and all of these things like well, the, just the other reason it's also really a bad driving album because uh, we actually uh drove to it over the weekend we had some holiday uh new year's weekend uh holiday driving and there are multiple um police uh siren yep. sound effects on yeah, this that, album. that hit me so actually I today, you know, today. I was pulled over right <laughs> Uh, so, um, did I ever tell you the story of, of my mother listening to K-Rock, uh, for, for one half hour? Uh, I, 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 remind, remind me. Did I tell you on the, well, just speaking of playing DMX for your parents in the car, one, one time we were like dropping off, I was like 13, I think, and we were dropping off, uh, my, my sort of. 13 year old girlfriend my our I say 13 year old girlfriend my the the uh girl who was my friend who we were sort of like 13 years old version of together and like we would you know hang out and then have to drive her home or drive you know drive me home and uh she was super into uh uh music and made me mixtapes and stuff like that and um so we put k-rock on to uh to drive her back to her house we dropped her off and uh when she got out of the the car my mother turned off the radio and and uh looked at me and said it was very difficult for me to listen to that radio station (laughs) (laughs) i uh that that was uh you know i i know i had to for you but but uh don't ever make me do that again and uh so that that yeah Parent, parent car music. It's 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 the rare family that can actually all rally around uh, anything other than, I suppose, the Beatles. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we. I think, and well, it varies, especially a family with a teenager. I think that there were times when I was younger, where even just slightly preteen, where we could all rally around um, Huey G, Lewis. You know, Kenny G. Yeah, yeah, uh, Huey, and and do that, but uh, but not DMX. All right, so so no driving. Uh, if you have to do some like intense plyometric workouts or something like yeah. that, D, you know, DMX might be uh, might be good. Uh, it's it's an album that uh, that we're we're past peak skit of of the 90s but uh there's some there's some spoken interludes and and stuff uh, uh but they they all sort of blend in thematically this is no uh Wycliffe Jean present Jean presents the carnival featuring refugee all-stars this is you know it's got uh something more like taste and uh and you know go go give it a listen it's it's 65 minutes long uh you're going to want to um you know, you're gonna want to maybe listen to it once or twice. I I found that that 
uh, it got it, my appreciation of it deepened, um, you know, on subsequent listens compared with, uh, compared with my first, which, you know, I just sort of noticed some of its superficial qualities and, uh, and, you know, come back for our conversation after this word from our commercial sponsor. Are you a rough rider? Oh, yes. Uh, grr, grr. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Well, then why not stop by the Theodore Roosevelt uh, Presidential Library at Dickinson State University in North Dakota? Theodore Roosevelt? I didn't even know it was pronounced that way. Yes, Theodore Teddy Roosevelt is the original Rough Rider. He uh, was one man who could talk softly but carry a big stick for which to stop, drop, shut him down, and open up shop well, all throughout all throughout the greater Americas. I, I growl softly but carry a big gat. Well, then you, sir, will like the history and splendor on display at the Theodore Roosevelt Center at Dickinson State University in western North Dakota. It's almost a century ago, but I identify with his machismo. Yeah, exactly. If you like DMX and you like tough talk, then you will like then you will love Teddy Roosevelt. You've got hunting, you've got war, you've got uh you've got a third party presidential run that uh that splits a ticket uh and uh and and causes a party realignment. It's everything a rough rider could want. Wow, you know if I weren't such a dog, I might be a bull moose. Come on down to the Theodore Roosevelt Center at Dickinson State University because history is cheap, motherfucker. And we're back. Yeah, I didn't know it was in North Dakota. Oh, yeah. Is that wait, wait, is that where he was from? I don't know. Uh, I, 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 only, I only was able to figure this out soon enough to... Um, I don't think he was from there, so I don't know why it is there. Um, and here I thought North Dakota was the lesser Dakota because of its absence of Mount Rushmore. But I guess all, every Dakota has something going for it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess we don't have any questions, so it's going to be a short podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah DM- DMX is for real. Uh, he's punk as fuck. He's definitely an indie band, uh, you know, and, uh, and there, there you have it. That was DMX's it's dark and hell is hot. Ryan is, is it dark and is hell hot? Um, it is. Yeah. (laughs) So I wasn't sure. And then I, and then I knew, like, I'd say the answer is, well, okay. So it is dark and hell is hot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a. It, it, I think the answer is a. Um, feel, uh, is yeah. a unqualified yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. Uh, to me, like the the whole. What what is this title? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is what what how does this title for you stand in relation to to the album? Because I think there is a kind of magnificent uh, trolley quality to it, which is that like it's like saying does a bear shit in the woods? You know, right. does does a bull moose shit shit in the woods? Right? Like is you know like uh, hey DMX was your upbringing rough? Well, is it dark and is hell hot? You know, like, uh, it's dark and hell is hot. Uh, You know, sort of film at 11 is, is the thing. And because of the, the just sort of relentless, 
um, kind of despair-inducing, uh, uh, inhuman quality to the to the environments that that he describes. Right? That yeah. it's it, that um, a little bit. It's it's almost like what what the hell did you? expect um well, it's dark well, there's something really not. interesting okay so kind of digging more into this is that what is the causal like what is the relationship between these two statements right because it's like it is just that these are two true things right there's not a causal relationship um uh between the darkness and the hotness of hell right because like um and 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 right because it's that hell is hot is kind of a a definitional and kind of constitutive statement right and you know in some ways it's that um it, it like hell being hot means that hell has not frozen over right so it's it is this is a likely hell being hot is a likely and expected scenario um and so i guess if it is dark and hell is hot then then I guess one way to interpret this relationship is that just as the hotness of hell is a kind of fixed um, and kind of constitutive um, um, uh, characteristic of hell, then um, darkness uh, is a, a kind of similar characteristic of the world itself. Like, and, and then, and I think that, um, and, and it is also it is a darkness that is so pervasive and damning that um, that is that in that way kind of echoes that of hell. Right. I mean, that's how I kind of can rationalize the relationship between these two pieces, because otherwise they, they're not necessarily connected to one another. Yeah, I mean, right? it's it. it sure. Um, it. What is the it? In other words, what is the antecedent of it? And it's dark, right? And it's like the world is dark, uh, which you know, which uh, you say, and you're right. Um, the album, the lyrics, the kind of the worldview is dark, right? And DMX is dark as well, right? In his soul, you know, there's like a darkness. Uh, there's a darkness inside him and a kind of like a pull towards something that's, that's conceptualized as sin in the, uh, in the kind of cosmology of the record. But that, that is also a sort of psychological darkness that, that he has and that, that he, uh, that he partakes in. So it's like, uh, it's a darkness that is a quality of the world, but it's also sort of pervasive. It's like the smoke monster and stranger things. It like gets in you you know that is interesting right and it is and you see this um i mean you talk about the skits but like this is a case where the skits are pretty on theme for a skit of the late 90s right that that um in that like these are skits that are they're relatively brief and just build the like kind of utter brutality of the world right and and the and and so kind of create additional kind of set pieces that that I I do think that it is not only DMX who is, is dark or kind of carries this darkness with him. Right. But it's everyone in this world. Um, yeah, it's, it's living in in the upside down. It's, it's right. right, Sure. It's like talk is cheap. Motherfucker guy is it's dark there, right? Like it's dark in the relationship where it's like, you're, you're fucking some guy in Yonkers, you know, uh, like it's dark. um, Neil Neil Simon. She's fucking Neil Simon. Um, the, uh, yeah, she, she just wanted some, she just wanted some laughs, you know, she just wanted some light, light comedy. It's so dark. 
You know, it's dark and Neil Simon is light. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, and uh, but and and the skits also they introduce this other this other dimension though this dimension of like word on the street is or like you know because the skits mm. aren't they're not necessarily part of like a uh they're not necessarily skits of all skits of things happening like that that to like characters from the album you know or like to well, no of- it's not and it connects well to the um to the carnival to to why why Claude Jean and uh and and et cetera, et all why Claude Jean et al presents the carnival yeah. right um uh which in which the the trial um is is kind Kind of a central kind of narrative arc throughout the album, and even that is, or or the um, or like Doctor Octagon, right? Um, which is kind of in a little more in universe skits by the by the characters in the songs. Sure, by the the half uh, man alligator, half. Um, half shark alligator, half man, I believe. Yes. <laughs> oh, I thought it was half shark, half man alligator, but it's half man, half shark alligator. Got it. Uh, I, mean, I definitely go back and look. You missed that episode, and, and I went, well, no, I listen. I listened to it, and it was uh, it was very good. I just I forgot the exact species breakdown of uh, of Doctor. Don't Octagon. want to mix that up. Or things will go really wrong if you mix the proportions of shark, alligator, and man in your in your half shark, alligator, half man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that, that heady, heady cocktail of, uh, of predator and prey. Um, so, but then like the, the, so right kind of word on the street, right? Like people talking about like reputation, like, uh, uh, the, the opening skit being, um, the opening skit being about like, yo, I, I heard about this DMX fellow. Uh, and it's like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, those the Rough Riders. That's that's my crew, right? Like that 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 thing, and then the conversation later on the record. That's that's uh, that's like um, you know, oh, they're you know, DMX is so rich, he's so impressive, and and there's this sort of denunciation of fame and riches. Uh, this this denunciation of of the kids today uh that goes on in in that skit so like on a number of levels like street reputation fame in the music business you know what your what people say about you how your name is out there stuff like that like um that these you know that that there is this kind of some of the skits on the album become this sort of meta commentary on uh, on the album itself, and like it's it sort of reminds you that that DMX was in this uh, this column uh, called Unsigned Hype, right? Right before um, it's dark and hell before signing to uh, a label, and you know one of the apparently one of the big uh upshots of unsigned hype was getting signed uh if you got mentioned uh if you got mentioned in that that column and so like uh there was this sense of like buzz was building around him um you know while and and there was like uh there was a there was a, a kind of commercial pipeline, right? Like there was a, there were marketing channels open to build buzz around DMX so that a debut album could, could debut at number one, which just seems how that even, how that even happens just seems so, 
bizarre to me these days. Yeah, I mean, I think this idea of a lot of these skits and then the song itself are about like an intro, making an introduction and right, n- like being known. And the other one other skit that you I don't think did mention that kind of does this as well is the um, is the Mickey skit, right? Where which is very short, right? Where it's like a knock at the door, right? And like you know, knock knock, who is it? Who it's Mickey? Who the fuck is Mickey? <laughs> who sent you? It's Mickey. Who sent you? It's me, Mickey. And then there's gunshots, right? <laughs> and and it's right. So if you are not known, then you die, right? Is it's like it's um it's to be known is to to live, and to be unknown is to die. And you have to live. You have to be known aggressively, right? Um, and so it's it's sort of that, and and, and the part of the way that DMX is um is is known right is both through the aggression of the style but is through these dog barks right like let's talk about the <laughs> dog barks um because it is it is amazing right that the two of the most popular albums of 20 years ago of 1998 um featured a man whose primary um ad lib um is to bark like a dog right um and it is it is the it is the most aggressive version of pet sounds possible right <laughs> like it is it is a it, uh it is it is uh, pet sounds but uh, when you hear these pet sounds you, you don't come knocking yeah. right um, it's and, the and, yeah exactly it's the like the the back Backyard pet sounds fighting ring, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, and it is it is such an announcement, right? Because you you think about like what the dog what because this is not DMX. A, DMX, is, by the way, serial animal abuser. Just just putting that out there, right? Like uh, among his his many run-ins with the law, he's pled guilty and then been accused of animal cruelty, uh, spe- specifically neglect. Uh, though, though there were some, there were potential, there was like potentially a backyard pit bull fighting thing going on. So, so yeah, I mean, this is, this, I, this is, this is interesting not to, not to like bring us down, but like, no, but it is, it is hard, right? That it's like, these are not. Uh, you you would hope that uh, that w- with with all of those dog barks that there's a a deep empathy <laughs> and uh, right but right like that's the thing is right like you know Caesar Milan he is not right like the, sure there's a there's a reason that the dog whisperer whispers well, right like he he's yeah, the yeah. dog shouter right <laughs> um, and and like like. If you are like barking like an enraged dog, right, that you are going to interface with the dogs and with humanity, not within in, as, as part of a kind of, you know, harmonious collective, right, as part of a pack, but as a kind of um, cast uh, as a cast off um solitary animal fighting for survival, right? There's something kind of like a kind of, um, you know, Jack London in Yonkers kind of quality to this, right? Where, and, and, and I think that part of an earlier part of the DMX myth is that as, you know, a child who kind of bouts, it, you know, among fa- foster care and group homes um, that like kind of 
um, roamed the street as a as a loner and kind of befriended stray dogs. And so that there is, I mean, I think that there is that piece of kind of empathy and attachment there. And there, I mean, there's just a you know, very clear kind of identification with dogs and kind of dogness um, in a way that is very different from Snoop Doggy Dog, right? Um, right, because like Snoop Doggy Dog says, "Bow wow wow yippee yo yippee right? Um, and 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 the the DMX which dog, is yeah exactly which is representational, right? Which right, is a sort right. of sort of a metaphorical it's a metaphorical dog and and DMX. Sorry, I didn't mean to to no no exactly to bust up your flow. DMX actually does. Uh, um, non-metaphorical dogs like actual actual dog sounds such as a dog might make and they're they're pretty good barks right they're not like yeah they're not they're like or you know they sound like they sound like dog barks oddly high-pitched some of them but but uh they actually sound like dog barks yeah and I, i mean i was thinking i was thinking about that right and like that the the sort of dog uh the dog stuff and even even more even the the parts of it that have gotten have been inhumane or sort of gotten him in trouble uh over the years seem right of a piece you know there's there you you sort of want to call the uh you want to call the ASPCA but there's there's like no ASPCG right like the 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 Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Gangsters, you know? There's no Society of Prevention of Cruelty to sort of... To human, to humans. Yeah, exactly, to children, right? Like, kind right. of kind of growing up between foster homes and, and state facilities and and uh, and things like this. And the, the you know, where, where I'm sure it was dark uh, for, for a variety of reasons. And that, like, so that it's, you know, it, it's sort of all it's all mixed up together and like dogs dogs are interesting because they are uh this is something that harold bloom once pointed out about bears uh at, specifically in reference to the the winter's tale uh exam pursued by a bear um stage direction in shakespeare that bears have this like to, they have a cuddly and a vicious uh, duality, and dogs are the same way, right? Like they're they're uh, they have a cuddly and a vicious duality, and and Snoop Dogg represents the sort of cuddly, easygoing dog, the dog like napping in the sun, you know, and uh, and DMX represents the the uh, the vicious part of that that duality, and so even you know. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's something sort of just deep in his assumptions about uh, about the way the stray dogs were living or something that affects the the you know that that affects one's relationships to with dogs even into uh, even into adulthood. But like the idea of like the idea of the rapper as a stray dog, right? Like the idea of of everyone in the world. Like this is this is a pretty dark worldview that like we're all sort of stray dogs. There's no source of like uh, there's no source of of help or comfort, uh, and that the only way. You know, the only way you can uh, not get not get taken advantage of is by this kind of elaborate performance of viciousness, right? Like bar- barking and growling and showing teeth. And the only way that that's credible is if you can actually back it up uh, when the uh, when called upon to. Like this seems to be um, 
uh, the, you know, this, this all strikes me as being naturally of a piece with the worldview, right? Well, it's, it's, and it actually really is, as you're describing that, I mean, you are describing Hobbes's state of nature, right? Um, yeah. And so it's, you know, it's, it's um, nasty, brutish, solitary, short, and arf, 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 <laughs> right? Um, and it is, um, it really, it, it really does kind of embody, it, it's a, a very, it's the gritty reboot of the idea that it is a dog eat dog world, right? Um, and and that that you you once says dog eat dog, uh, and um, and no no one kind of takes that to a level of of literalness of of actually kind of vicious kind of self consuming um, dogs, and 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 so it is there um and, and yet and, and so and that that's part of what gives this uh, this album its physicality kind of what we were talking about earlier with the aggression um i think though that there's there's also a, another kind of duality on this album right because there is this physical kind of and this this kind of animal aspect but there's also um and you you alluded to it earlier there's a very deeply um, spiritual aspect to the album as well, right? And so as much as there is this kind of all of this dog barking, right, and this kind of DMX as the dog and kind of identifying with the dog, right, there's a whole other arc of the album in which, you know, um, DMX, right, on on at least three separate tracks, um, you know, talks, you know, engages with the devil or an emissary of the devil, right? Um, prays and then talks to God, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that there is, you know, the, the kind of last temptation of DMX, right? Uh, arc of the album as well. I mean, what do you make of the kind of sp- the spiritual arc of this album kind of alongside the kind of much more physical and, um, and, and animal, um, parts, you know, Pete, on the other podcast, Pete and I talked about religion and, uh, uh, a little bit in and sort of different discourses about sin um it with respect to uh uh sort of the, the allegations of sexual misconduct that it that had uh, that were then sort of very much in the news and still are uh alas and um we we sort of we sort of talked about it as a way of like getting at wh- when people do bad things what's What's going on? It, is the person bad? Has the person been sort of tempted by something? Right? Uh, the the uh, is it? You know, is the nature bad? Is the nature corrupted? Can you get better? Mm. Uh, right? Is there? Um, is there a path back to some sort of redemption or something, something like that? Or like even on the, on the prayer track, uh, it's sort of at the, at the end, it's almost like a deal. It's almost like a deal, right? Like, uh, you know, let me, let me take the, the pain, uh, uh, in behalf of someone, you know, I care about that. So, so, th- so this is interesting, right? Like, th- cause there's like the Damien song where, um, where it seems like, uh, DMX makes a deal with the devil, right? Like, uh, in exchange for, uh, great flow or for fame or for, you know, something like that. Uh, and then, and then realizes that he has to do the devil's bidding because he made the deal in, in exchange. But there are other times on this record where it seems like, um, it's a little, uh, 
It's it's a little more like Milton's Satan. Um, yeah. In in book four of Paradise Lost, yeah. uh, uh, Milton refers to uh, the hell within him, for within him hell he brings, right? And that like so that hell is sort of hell is this place, or I guess it's called it's called pandemonium in. Uh, uh, like all the demons, cross demon, uh, you know, cro- <laughs> all, all, all the great demons. Um, and that like, uh, but that the hell, you know, hell is really like within, um, within the fiend, right? Like, and that, that, that is a, that's an alternative model of, of sin and evil and, and where it comes mm-hmm. from. Like whether, whether it's, whether it's out there, whether like someone tempts you with something you want, right? And through a, you know, uh, maybe through a kind of avarice, through like being greedy, right? You want the good thing and maybe it's, it's too much, maybe you want too much of the good thing, but you make the deal and then you have to start being bad. Bad, even though you weren't bad to begin with, you were just like, you know, you were just only human and you got offered something too good to be true. Or, you know, are you are you intrinsically evil, right? Are you intrinsically violent? Are you intrinsically a killer? All, you know, all of all of these things. And there's this tension between these two things. And when I say that, like, because this is my first, uh, this wasn't really on my playlist in in the 90s, because I was not really aware of the the uh kind of golden age of hip hop that was happening um or what i mean i guess the golden age had been had been much earlier but this this uh continual hip hop is, is actually the platinum age right because that's yeah. what the records were going yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah this sort of like and this this sort of multifaceted renaissance uh of all different kinds of 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 hip hop um I was just not hip to it. Uh, but that, like, uh, d- so this was my, like, introduction to this record. And I, I didn't realize on the first, the superficial qualities, like, uh, how aggressive it is, um, how violent, right? Like, I, I sort of proposed several times over previous episodes that you can make a, a typology of rock music, pop music, of any sort of popular genre of music by the sort of antisocial behavior that it, it condones. Um, it, and it's either, it's either sex or violence, really. And this one is definitely violence. Uh, and that that like um i so uh, but the the on subsequent listens what became apparent to me is how how astute and how nuanced a psychologist he is of of the the the, it reminds me of a of a line in pulp fiction um when bruce willis escapes from uh not throwing the boxing match, spoiler alert. Oh, wait, no, this is uh, Omar dies. Um, the, no spoiler alert. Uh, he, he doesn't throw the boxing match. Marcellus Wallace uh, is mad. He escapes. He gets into a, uh, a cab with a cab driver who says, so tell me, Butch, uh, what does it feel like to kill a man? Because apparently he punched him so hard that he, that he killed the guy in the boxing ring. Uh, and he says, I didn't know I was killing him at the time. Now that I know he's dead, you want to know what it feels like now? Right. And that, oh, that I was 14 when that movie came out. And that struck me as such a, like a fine distinction, uh, such a, uh, uh, like a psychologically astute insight because it lacked the, it lacked the quality of intention when he, he just meant to win the boxing match. Um, 
you know, in contravention of his his deal with Marcellus Wallace, and that like uh, that this here, this is a similar thing, right? Like what when when you're killing. Are you doing it in self-defense? Are you do? Are you or even like? Uh, is it a preemptive war? You know, are you shooting before you get shot? Um, are you doing it for reputation? Are you doing it over? Uh, you know, money dispute. Um, are you on the? Are you on the run? Are you like in a kind of action movie chase scene on the mm-hmm. run from the, the law, or are you just? Are you just bad? You know, are you just evil? Yeah. You know, and that's all of these things. And then, and then once you do that thing, what is the effect it has on you yeah. and yeah. yourself and your self conception and your feelings? Like, what does it feel like? It's not just the, the super aggro shit, bang, bang, bang. It's the, like the come down from that and like coming to terms, like a, a continual coming to terms, not just with what you do, but with what you are. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's what revealed itself to me on subsequent listens to this album. And I think it's, I think it's pretty fucking great. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And it, it is, it's, and, and that's what's really, and, and it's, I think those that live together though, right. It's not just a kind of wistful and reflective uh, and kind of sad album, right. It's not, uh, you know, the, the kind of uh, DMX acoustic bangers, right. That, that these, they, they live side by side. Right. And there are these moments of the kind of, of, of kind of, like under understanding and um, of clarity, right? There are like these moments of clarity and self-reflection in the midst of these things. Right. And, and again, it's, there's a lot of DMX kind of, you know, both he's either talking to God, the devil or himself. Right. Um, And, and then there's right. And and those are kind of the three kinds of modes. Uh, I mean, there often is like a, you know, because there's a lot of, I think, you know, talking through, like, it, it, he doesn't, he's not really on this album a lot, as much as we were kind of talking about introducing oneself. Um, it, you know, I feel like it is a, it's a much more of an internalized kind of monologue um, about what he is doing and what it means. And, like, there's, like, often, like, a thought process of, um, you know, what, what has to happen. I mean, I'm thinking about the convo, the second to last song. Um, which is the one where he talks to God, right? And as an example of this, you know, you tell me that there's love here, but to me it's blatant that with all this blood here, I'm dealing with Satan. Um, plus with all the hating, it's hard to keep the peace. Thou shalt not still steal, but I will to eat. I tried doing good, but good not too good for me. Misunderstood why you chose the hood for me. Me, I might. I just want, I want to work hard at it. Um, went to grandma for the answer. She told me that God had it. So now I, here I am, confused and full of questions. Am I bored to lose, or is this just a lesson? Uh, and who is going to choose when it gets turned around? And will it be laying in my own blood and on the ground? Right? Uh, and I mean, that's as one verse of one song on this album, and it kind of and it encapsulates in a nutshell kind of all of what you were saying, right? Of of this both kind of um, engaging in these act acts and then reckoning what that means. Um, and, and again, it's, and it's very much kind of in the middle of this, right? That, you know, he is, he is someone who has been doing this for a while and for so long <laughs> that, uh, that there is a, a constant loop of 
kind of killing and its effect on him and then more killing. Um, and, and so on the one hand there, but, but that I think that, um, you know, so much so that one would believe that you, you know, become, you know, numb or, or that it becomes autopilot. Um, but it definitely does not seem like this has become easier, but in fact, harder, right. That like, that there's been kind of such an accumulation of violence that it is, um, that there's a tremendous kind of amount of struggle, right. That, that is, I mean, right. And that this is the kind of the, the dot, the darkness and the hotness of hell, right. That, like, um, uh, and, uh, that, that is, that, that we, that we discussed in the title. Yeah, um, the the this in this song, right? Like uh, the chorus is uh, somebody's knocking. Should I let him in? Uh, Lord, we're just starting. But w- but where will it end? And this like there's a, a famous hymn or spiritual that says uh, so, you know somebody's knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. Um, and the genius is a genius. Uh, point to a. Uh, 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 point to a, a passage of Revelation that talks about you know standing standing at the door and knocking, and so this is like a little bit um, somebody's knocking. Should I you know should I let him in? Uh, it 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 makes it sound like he's sort of conflicted about like letting. Uh, letting God into his life, right? Like he's uh, uh, though he gives he gives God some like uh, some bullshit self justification, right? Like um, you know, my child, I've watched you grow up, and I've been there. Even at those times you least suspected it, I was there. And look what I've given you—a talent to rhyme. I may not come when you call, but I'm always on time, which, which just strikes me as some bullshit on God's part. Uh, you know, it's, it's possible to, uh, it's possible to sort of not be thrown to the wolves as a child and also to be talented. <laughs> you know, it's right, not, right. it's not a zero sum game, uh, in, you know, in, in those things, but this is like, uh, a little, a little bit. It's like, uh, you know, you can, right, you can either be loved by your parents and be stupid and worthless or else you can be, uh, or else you can, you know, have a, a, a terrible upbringing at the hands of the state and, uh, and, you know, be brilliant at something. Right. Like, it's like at that time when there was one set of footprints in the sand, I was teaching you to be a great artist. <laughs> I was not carrying you. You were definitely alone and you're welcome. <laughs> right. Uh, which is, you know, I don't know, which is like a, a little bit that's that's. Um... I don't know. It's it, it, a little bit. That's got to be sort of a compensatory. That's got to be sort of a, a fantasy that that compensates for the for the things that you suffer. And I mean, there. You know, it's not it's not him. Like we we all. I I think in just the average person, if you were if someone were really to point out all the magical thinking that goes in your psych that goes yeah. into one's psychic life, you, you'd probably uh, you know. Um, uh, Lord, were you to mark our Lord, Lord, were you to mark our sins? Who who could stand against you? Uh, we, Lord, were were you to mark our logical fallacies? Uh, who could stand against you? But this, but then the other the other thing is like the wariness about letting God in, right? Like, what's the down? What's the downside? You know, uh, what's the downside to? 
um, to divine love, you know, uh, to to the unconditional love of God. Uh, it, 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 it strikes me also like somebody's knocking, you know, if they're knocking, if they're outside, you don't really know who they are. And so there's a certain amount of risk associated with it. Yeah. And also like a little bit like uh, knocking is a uh, is a perilous act in the world of this album, like being at the door, you know, you never yeah, know exactly. when, when someone's going to shoot you through the through the door. Um, I mean, it's amazing how much door knocking there is on this album, right? Because in addition to the Mickey skit, right, which you were referring to, it's also the um, the main lyric and the main hook of um, of, of the intro line of the uh, the ATF song. Right. Um, right. The boom, boom, boom. Open the door. ATF. Right. Right. Um, and so so right that like um, what if God is just uh, is just uh, actually working? What if God's working with the cops? Right. Yeah. And it's like, hey, it's me, God. And it's like, hey. All right, all right. Is God wearing a wire? Right. <laughs> um, um, because like, or is God, you know, is it did the other gang send God um, or is it is it just my enemy wearing a God wig? Right. Um, or is it really the devil? Right. And, and that there is it is back to this. um the uh, the state of nature, right? The Hobbes state of nature, war of all against all, right? That if there isn't a state, right, um, or a kind of uh, a, a, a um, you know this third party, this leviathan, a, a um, you know, something that can actually kind of enforce, create and enforce rules, then it is only kind of strength and and mistrust that allows you to survive, right? And so um, and and so that I guess it's that. If you really feel like you are in this, you know, in an anarchy, right, then why do you, why would you, why would you believe a claim of divinity, right? Um, because, if, because anyone, any old fool can say that they are God. Um, and so I think it's like a little bit of like, you know, that in order for God to, God really needs to make a bigger entrance <laughs> in this world, right? That, that there needs to be, um, a miracle, a kind of a miraculous. And, and I think this is an interesting thing is that like, this is a, a world in, in the darkness and the hotness of hell that this is like well past faith. Right. Um, and, and so it's a, it, it's kind of putting, a, a onus on on God, um, which is, is, is again kind of an interesting worldview, right? It's a because it is, it's religious. It, it, it's engaged with a deep kind of spirituality and spiritual struggle, but it definitely is not kind of. It is. It is not a a Christian album per se, right? That it's that it's it's not. You know, it's certainly. It, this is not a, a gospel album, right? This is not a, a Christian Christian rap album by any any means, um, because it doesn't see as much as it is kind of wrestling with these kind of ideas, the ideas of morality. Um, I guess it's also it's very kind of Old Testamenty in a lot of ways, sure. right? Um, and, and, you know, there isn't this sense of kind of like salvation, right? Um, and um, I don't know. I, what, what do you make of the kind of the theology and the, and the kind of um, how the ideas here and the kind of morality and the spiritual struggles relate to kind of 
uh, to have tenets of, of, of around kind of faith and kind of how how it works in Christianity. Well, I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, I I think you're right in saying it's not really a Christian album. Um, it's not really a religious album. I would call it a biblical album. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. A, a scriptural album. And like in yeah. some of the secondary material, you know, I read yeah. that like DMX is a, apparently a very committed Christian. He says he reads the Bible every day. He's in some sort of ordination uh, process, um, right, to become a, uh, a, a pastor. And uh, and that like, I, you know, when, when he says I read the Bible every day, like looking at this, uh, looking at these lyrics, I believe him, you know, like and, and even at the, you know, even at the time. Right. Like I, I, uh, I believe him because the, it's this, uh, it's this sort of moral phantasmagoria, right. Uh, with, with demons and with, uh, with sort of evil with, with it's very revelations or, or very old Testament, very kind of yeah. eye, eye for an eye with the kind of, um, with the, the kind of semi crazed violent revenge sometimes, or the, you know, the, um, the uh yeah, very um direct way of kind of transacting revenge and sort of getting you know getting at people who have who have wronged you like this is it's uh it's it's biblical and it's um <laughs> It's biblical in the in the in the sense of pulp fiction, right? Like some biblical right. sh- some biblical shit, you know. Uh and that uh it's um yeah, so it's, uh, to to that. So it's so it belongs to. I mean, it belongs to a cosmically grand sort of hmm. moral and spiritual universe, and and in that sense is uh, uh, in that sense it is scriptural, if not particularly religious. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a really good way of of putting it, and I think this kind of. The, the kind of grandness and the kind of biblicalness um, also kind of fits with the music. We haven't talked a lot about the music and the instrumentation, but there are a lot, especially like the way the album opens. And I know, I think for me, it grabbed me when my brother kind of first put it on in the car, you know, cause I was not used to rap albums starting with kind of, you know, um, you know, timpani and bells, right. Yep. Uh, kind of tu- timpani and tubular bells. Right. Um, and so, and I, I know, I think there was at some point, yeah, that's some, that time, that's some like, right? that's some like meatloaf shit there. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it really, it really is. And it's that level of kind of grandiosity. Uh, and I mean, I remember trying because I was in concert band at the time and I think, I tried to figure out the timpani and and tubular bells part uh, in between, you know, like I, getting into the band room a little before concert band practice to figure this out. Um, and 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 just I was pleased that I had, you know, as a percussionist, um, had these instruments at my disposal to try to um, replicate this beat. Right, and I think later on, um, I think is it stop being greedy. Or a few of the later ones, right, have this like there's um I think it's stopping greedy, has the kind of um or some of the other up tempo numbers later on has the kind of organ, right? The kind of um almost like it, it is kind of a the, the scariest virgin of version of church organ music, right? Kind of um and you know, um kind of verging almost into haunted house um, you know, uh organ music. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. 
And I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that like, and then there are a number of, uh, there are a number of kind of nineties flourishes in terms of like the synthesizer sound that, that you hear later in the, the album or the way the, the tubular bells are, are sampled. It's not, I mean, the, the sampling technology now and the, the kind of, especially the way samples are performed, um, is a lot more sophisticated than it was at the time. And it's clear that that, that tubular bell sample is like the same sound being pitch shifted yeah. uh, uh, up and down right rather than the the you know slightly more memory intensive techniques that that uh, that they have now, but I thought like I loved the beats on this oh, yeah. on this record, you know but i would I would love a like album that right took even like took like the vocals or if DMS wanted to re-record it and then kind of re you know re-record this with kind of modern production technology right and not really change the composition of the beats but kind of give them right like treat this as the first draft and then give them the kind of you know high fidelity kind of version that they they deserve i think because it is there is and i think it still works because ultimately it makes this kind of like the misfits of rap, right? Uh, of you know, in, in like the misfits, in in the Glenn Danzig misfits version of you know that in Glenn, I think Danzig's mind, he also has this kind of very grand kind of operatic, um, you know, fifties uh, fifties pop horror pop uh, thing. And but in the end, it's it's so fast and messy and dirty and kind of recorded with such low fidelity that it's it's something kind of in between and kind of charming in that and i think that this has i i think that the the gap between the kind of aspiration and composition and the actual instrumentation um gives it a a um punk quality right uh and and this kind of horror punk um uh quality that is is very striking and i think tremendously influential i think that this kind of this darkness even though the aggression the level of aggression in both the beats and and the rapping is um not as in vogue right now in hip-hop overall the kind of darkness um the darkness is and and i think especially about the kind of um producer du jour um Metro Boomin, I think, has is a very kind of slowed down, kind of drugged out kind of version of a lot of this. And you even hear that I, you know there are elements uh, of that kind of the organ, the dark kind of haunted organ stuff in a lot of Metro Boomin's production and a lot of other. I mean, right, that the, one of the big kind of Metro Boomin produced albums of the last year was um, this mixtape by um, Twenty One Savage and Offset, um, one third of me, who's one third of Migos. Uh, right, and the cover of that uh, album, without warning, is a barking dog. Right, and that there, you know, these the, these DMX fingerprints are there in that. Um, it's there in a lot of you know, um, uh, you know, almost all of Kendrick Lamar's work. Right, and and I know that um, Kendrick uh, has talked about um, you know, it's dark and hell is hot as being one of his favorite rap albums um, when he was growing up, and and actually, you know, each of his um, you know last three uh, albums, right, Good Kid, Mad City. 
to Pimp Butterfly and Damn all have elements of It's Dark and Hell is Hot um, in it, right? And, uh, you know, I think, you know, notably, I think we talked about this on the To Pimp a Butterfly episode, but the kind of poem that makes, you know, that, that recurs throughout To Pimp a Butterfly, you know, to me, echoes very strongly the um, the DMX spoken word poem. Um, a, a lot of the kind of story songs and kind of the narrative crime songs on Good Kid Mad City um, echo some of the songs um, like uh, like Crime Story and ATF on here, right? These kind of narrative um, songs. And then this kind of overall focus on kind of spiritual life and kind of this kind of these kind of larger spiritual existential questions, even amidst kind of the world, I think echo a lot of the themes that were on, um, you know, this, on, on this past year's, um, damn. Right. And so that, that really, uh, you know, that, you know, both sonically and in content, you, you know, even 20 years later, we're seeing a lot of the, um, the influence of this album. And it kind of, it, it shows kind of what a, a towering achievement, um, it was not just, you know, for that, you know, second half of 1998, uh, um, but kind of um, you know, going onward throughout the early 2000s and, and now, right? The other thing, I mean, uh, beyond that, what I would say to, to people who like me were, um, who are kind of unfamiliar with this and encountering it for the first time is to seek out a video of DMX performing and seek out the videos, uh, especially um, the the really famous one I think is is the video for uh, oh what is it for, uh, is it the Rough Riders anthem no no, no it's like it's Get at Me Dog is the one oh, yeah. that and it's black and white it's shot in a club and it's it's just incredible like he's just incredible his presence is so uh his presence is so incredible and the the sort of charisma um it's not just it's not just sort of uh un controlled aggression it's it's aggression channeled in with this incredible uh charisma that you know that had been uh honed and sort of practiced in in being deployed in in uh in rap battles and and the way the way he sort of just takes takes control of space and sort of dominates space he's also shot low angle a lot of the time in that and it's very you know um the 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 physicality of the the performance is just like you get you and so just see see some video of him performing some of the songs from this record and i feel like it it will uh, again start to kind of uh start to kind of make sense and and that what what it's it's sort of dark uh and and hell is hot the kind of the 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 darkness and the hotness is uh, it's not sort of unmitigated. I think like something about the energy and something mm. about that, something about that charisma is what re- redeems, right? Um, some of the, the more relentless qualities of the, um, you know, of the, the darkness and the hellishness. In that way, it's kind of been a very actually Protestant album, right? That it has DMX has the Protestant work ethic, right? Um, and and that 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 kind of you know working at the craft, uh, it, right? And as much as he kind of talks about the you know this, the gift being a gift from God, 
you know, that that then his work is also evidence, right? That is DMX is among the elect, right? Um, and so uh, and, and so that there, I, I think that that's an interesting way to kind of understand where the salvation is um, and and, uh, and and kind of thinking about uh, how it kind of, um, you know, the, the darkness, uh, the darkness and the hotness of hell connects with what is, you know, again, I think if it were just it's yes, it is dark and and hell is hot, but there is something else, right? That's not, that's not saying everything. Um, otherwise it would be hard to explain why this took over the world yeah. um, in the way that it did uh, in 1998. Just remember what, uh, what Martin Luther wrote, which is that uh, man is justified through arf and arf alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I, I do remember that that was the uh, the the that, that's the 96th thesis. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll leave it there with DMX uh, for this week. I was very glad to be uh, introduced. I was very be- glad to be given uh, this tour of um of the inferno with uh dmx playing the role of virgil and and guiding me down into the abyss uh thank you very much for listening if you want to say something about dmx uh about it's dark and hell is hot uh or about dogs and you know dog care you know, caesar milan the dog whisper or something uh we are at uh, tft podcast on twitter uh we're on facebook three for turntables and there's comments on the show notes for this episode uh we'll be back next Next week with more 1990s theory for turntables. Until then, keep it real, dog.